Thank you for being a loyal listener of the thinking behind it all. We appreciate your support as we bring to you global news that trend on a weekly basis. As you already know, we look at these news from a pro-black perspective using sociopolitical theory. If you have enjoyed the content and high production of the podcast, please consider making a small donation. The proceeds will go toward bringing you more podcasts. To make a donation, you can do so on PayPal. The link is paypal.me slash ttbia paypal.me slash ttbia The thinking behind it all with Melusin The thinking behind it all Welcome to the 28th edition of TTBIA, the thinking behind it all, your pro-black podcast. As we often say, we do not claim to speak on behalf of all black people across the globe. With that being said, we do express our views frankly and speak to each other with great fervor and much excitement. On TTBIA, we are encouraging communities who have children that are lost to use our platform to get the message out there for missing children. We are more than willing to get the word out there. This is an initiative that we have taken following stories that are not properly covered by mainstream media in which children are said to be lost, in particular black children. With me, this week, I've got Ricardo. What's up? How are you doing? Hey, what's up? Uh, Busi, how are you? Hey, I'm good, and you? And Ice, how are you? I'm good, man. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Remember that you can also join the conversation on Facebook. The page is The Thinking Behind It All. Or you can be... On Twitter, you can follow us there. Our Twitter handle is at TTBIA underscore. At TTBIA underscore. For TTBIA updates, you can also be part of our community. The TTBIA community on WhatsApp. Details there too can be found on our social media platforms. The usual suspect's perspective. Ice. What stood out for you this past week, man? The Global Citizen Festival, which featured a bunch of global corporates that they want to end <laughs> hunger in Africa. And also had Jay-Z and Beyonce as the main headline of the festival. Did you enjoy it, Isaac? Are you a global um, citizen? N- no, no, of course. <laughs> Of course not. This was like similar to the 46664 concert. They get a bunch of Americans, a bunch of global companies to come through and speak about their plans about um, helping Africa in aid. But that's all we ever have um, here in Africa. We can never truly own the means of production. For me, it's it's like a, a ploy for egalitarians, you know. Especially here um, in South Africa, of course, it's, it's part of this global agenda where we must accept what the community speak about and praise Mandela 
for me it seems like the same liberal propaganda we've been seeing from the Mbeki administration we had a pause with Zuma now we're back again to that um, opening ourselves up to this idea that we're part of this global community that cares equally but when it's time for us to uplift our economies we never actually get that what we get is aid and promises about youth and how we're gonna end world hunger in Africa but it's celebrating Mandela's centurion 100 years of Nelson Mandela so fundamentally it serves to do good that would depend right right if you were a Mandela fan and you truly believe that his administration has benefited you especially as a black youth in South Africa then fine probably you'd think that but I'm, I'm with people like Ntsigi Mazwai speaking as a global citizen in South Africa I don't think we can we're still dealing with a lot of ills we've gained from apartheid I don't think we're there yet where we can think of ourselves as part of the global community I mean we're not even a, a recognized global force the only reason why we have clout is because English interests have minds here and Australian interests have mind, minds right here in the southern hemisphere other than that um, we have a state that is very exclusive of black people the majority people um, in, in townships in rural areas so uh, I, 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 I doubt people like that think of themselves as global citizens. So in fairness, what about the fact that there are poor people across the globe? There's women issues in almost all societies. I could find you hungry kids in the United States. I mean... <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. I get that. I, I don't see how foreign aid has helped Africa since the, 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 the advent of democracy here in Africa. I don't yeah, think so it like 25 long, years. Yeah, yeah like 25 Longer, years. 50, here 60 years for some countries. Yeah, yeah it's 60 years. But we, we keep on hearing about these agendas in the UN about, and their plans by 2020. You know, but these festivals are run by like big corporates, especially in America. Um, it's it's tied to elite families here in South Africa, like the Mutipe Foundation. It was a big uh, contributor to this event. Mr. Africa, Mutipe. Anyway, <laughs> Busi was still here. Um, so I was actually at the Global Citizen Festival yesterday, um, <laughs> and what actually stood out to me was um, the violence after the show. So um, afterwards, people were stranded. I was certainly one of those people. Um, where the Ubers were not available, there weren't enough like Ubers around, even though Uber was a sponsor and they had this nice lounge where we could sit afterwards. Well, it's not really a lounge. So capitalism gave you a concert and then they couldn't give you a ride home. No, but not that, not necessarily just that, but like people were getting robbed, people were getting stabbed, women were raped. Um, Like, I'm just glad I made it out alive and safe. but it was a bittersweet moment because we had such an awesome time. And obviously, like, I'm not really big on the global citizen thing, but it was a great free concert. Like, my friends won tickets, I went for free, got to see Beyonce for free, which was fun. But it was just sad. So you went for the entertainment aspect? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> not the politics. I went for the entertainment. I think a lot of people went for the entertainment, to be honest, because, I mean, when you track the global citizen program itself like how people earned those tickets was by tweeting was by signing petitions was not by necessarily like you know actions and they talk about actions a lot but i feel like the actions to me are kind of like oh, okay i just get to tweet and i win a ticket to come see beyond it you know what i mean so we cannot debate but discuss all about just how inadequate the the program itself is in trying to solve the solutions that what do you make of the fact of the politics that are infused into this entertainment i just feel like it just depends what you were there for i wasn't really interested in the politics as much of the organization itself or even just the political figures like the president was there and i was just like okay you know just before beyonce i don't understand why we needed the president there do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is not even... Like, I don't get why, it. Like, why why, why were all these like, old people there? 
And that's what I'm saying And I feel like They waste a lot of money By flying in people For like five minutes Like that someone from Some governor in Nigeria Come speak for like a minute And I'm just like Wow guys Cana- Like we really don't Canadian need These Prime people Minister. Yeah I'm like We don't need these people Like just play us the music And the entertainment <laughs> And we'll be fine Like <laughs> That's what we came for well, Canadian ministers Well prime so, minister so, Clearly was there Because he's the Darling of neoliberalism Nowadays I don't know why Anyway yeah Isaac So so Busi What do you feel about Zima's wise comments About the people That were mugged I think that's just wrong I don't think Under any conditions Is it okay To tweet In a way Justifying The violence Like I get the bigger message Which is obviously You have this event In a particular area Right Like in Soweto and obviously it's like this big classism you know um event this capitalistic event with a lot of money and you know what i mean but at the same time how her tweet came across was basically her saying the people who are there deserved to be robbed and like do you know what i mean like such horrible things happened yesterday and i think people are really traumatized like even as a person who was there who did not experience it personally like i realized the risk that i was in at that moment you know what i mean like having to be fearful literally of your life in that moment and hoping you no know, transport just works out so you can get home you know so it, it i don't think she thought that part through about what is she really saying about the people who are affected by the violence it was she, just a simple shock and awe kind of statement isn't it yeah like she could have just said why are you guys hosting this expensive event in soweto you know what i mean like there's ways to say that without saying yeah, yeah but that's, that's what people have been saying hurt. I think she deliberately wanted to be jarring. Hey, no, we tired of her. Anyway, hey, 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 Ricardo, what's that for you? What stood out for me actually was um, Donald Trump and the head of China. They they had a they were at the G20 summit over the weekend, and they I guess made nice at least for the cameras. But even more than that, what stood out for me was Putin. Doing a high five with a uh, prince of South, the one who got the journalist killed in Turkey. That was interesting. That, that was quite a moment right there. Like, hey, how many journalists did you kill this week? Oh, four. How about you? Ah, oh, just the one for now. It was a kind of surreal picture, I thought. So not the uh, Bush death. That didn't turn out for you. At least that's nah. good. Nah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, you know he's 94. He lived a good life. I mean, wow. Hey, hey, look, he he was born into privilege. He kept a lot of people out of privilege, and he died. What? What can I tell? I don't know. What else can I say? <laughs> okay, no, 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 sure, sure. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's either it's either George W. Bush dying or Trump. Um, at the G20 meeting. I thought the G20 was a bigger but deal. But at least um, apparently <laughs> there's some ceasefire for 90 days now between the US and China in terms of the trade war. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so it'll be interesting say. to see how that pans out. I, I, I just want to see how long it takes Trump to criticize or say something stupid or insult somebody in ch- the Chinese government. I don't know. I, I don't think he could hold his tongue for 90 days. Myself. But one thing that you can admire the Chinese for is that they're quite pragmatic when it comes to certain things. It's like, yeah, we know that you talk a lot of talk, but you know, when it comes to getting things done, let's see what you have. You know, they play true. hardball. I mean, the Chinese have been sure. known for that. They did that to Obama too, and George W. Bush, <laughs> and Bill Clinton. Oh man, he 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 gave uh, Barack Obama and the Bushes. They gave them fits, like. <laughs> so for me, Adrian Basson, editor of News Twenty Four, wrote an opinion piece, and they often do nowadays. Like, when do journalists actually go out to the field and do something? Anyway, he's an editor, so I guess he can ed- editorialize mm-hmm. as much as he likes. In which he basically outed Judas Malema as a snitch. Now, there's a lot happening here. News 24 is considered as one of those white monopoly capital institutions in South Africa and Julius Malema and the EFF, the Economic Freedom Fighters, have been saying a lot about that cluster of media houses. First of all, we can deal 
with Judas Malema being a snitch to the white man. Kind of ironic. And like he saw it fit to run to WMC Media for the past how many years? Five, seven years exposing Zuma scandals. And he didn't see any issue with it. Now, on one hand, the person can say, oh, well, that was quite smart of him using white folk that way. And on the other hand, you just have to call it for what it is. It's hypocrisy from where I am. But then that's the politics of the thing. Then you've got Adrian Basson, who goes and says that Julius Malema was his source. And you can't help feel like, yo, guys, do you have to? play into his narrative what kind of journalist does this what kind of editor <laughs> would I'm do sorry, such I a thing like, wow. when you, see this is what happens when journalists try to be superstars though when they try to make the story about them rather than the issue and this is going to be the downfall of media as we know it think about it aren't your sources supposed to be sacrosanct right like exactly. yep. people have died to protect yeah. their source literally lost their life to protect a source right gone to jail as a leading publication news 24 editor he goes and do the in fact it gets worse they have now publicly given people the address of julius malema's home a home that he's yes i saw that allegedly oh God, renting so from some smuggler but it was like, why would you guys go and do that? We get it. You don't like him. Journalism? You're fighting against. Yes. No. Yeah. They're trying to prove the point. Look at Julius Malema. He lives this luxurious life because that's what other people have been tweeting about, particularly, right? So the other part mm-hmm. of it is, our, oh, you advocate for the poor, but look at you. You live in this nice place. <laughs> And yeah, but still, BS. Oh my God! So what? I gotta, I gotta live in the slums to to, re- to represent <laughs> people in the slums. Isn't that the dumbest thing? Let me tell you. So let me get it straight. I want to bring people out of poverty by living in poverty myself. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it. That that's mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. Mainstream media not talking about this in a responsible way. That's disappointing. Seeing some journalists like Fair Half a G supporting these kind of moves. Hell no. I think money got involved in this right here. But this is a clear retaliation, right? Like, because Julius Malema has obviously been saying a lot about media in the recent weeks. It's actually kind of sad in the way in which they are retaliating. It's like, why is media retaliating against a person, right? Like, no matter what Trump says about the media per se, it's the same, similar thing when the media houses in America were considering boycotting. But the question (laughs) is, what, you guys play into their hands. You report what they say, right? right. And then you turn around and you say, we are mm-hmm. angry that you said this and we want to retaliate against you. Yeah, And also, like, how they're going to balance this thing with revealing sources. The time Zuma was around, wanted to have a secrecy bill where you could reveal certain sources that had basically um, oh, yeah. given false information about someone. And, oh, yeah. and, the, and, the, and the media was against, against it, yeah. yeah. I'd be against so, that so, too. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want so that. Where's the media's principles um, in terms of like sources? So you right. become disposable once you no longer sing <laughs> right. the previous tune. Yeah. That's yeah. a bit so, dangerous. Let yeah. me ask you guys a question. As South Africans, what if you had vital information? Would you want to be a source? Shit, not me. No. Not after no, this, not after right? This. <laughs> I'll keep my information to myself. Mm-mm. Exactly, exactly. If you have any other comments about what we talked about in the USP section, please feel free to drop it on our social media pages. The Thinking Behind It All, that's our Facebook page, or our Twitter handle is at TTBIA underscore. Remember that you can also get TTBIA updates on our TTBIA community on WhatsApp. 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 A few months ago, we spoke about the killing of Botham Jean by off-duty Dallas police officer Amber Geiger in the USP section. Let's go over this once more. So Geiger was coming home from a double shift and she pulled into her apartment complex where she then went to both them jeans front door here is where details differ geiger 
says that she found the door slightly ajar and walked in and she saw Jean in the apartment and mistook him for a intruder where then she shot him dead. But people who live in the apartment complex said they heard her banging on a door requesting for him, both them Jean that is, to open the door. Then he was shot in his apartment. Amber Geiger walked free for 24 hours before being arrested after this killing. Three days after that, she was finally indicted, but not for murder, for manslaughter. But last week, a grand jury indicted her on murder charges. Some have speculated that one thing that led to this grand jury indictment was the race of the DA and the mayor of Dallas, who are black. Many figure that they had a personal interest in this case and so pushed forward the paperwork for another grand jury to be convened. There may or may not be some validity to this, but let's not forget just the sheer political outlook of this. If you're a district attorney, you are going to look hard into a case like this. Same thing if you're a mayor. You want to look good and have a perception of fairness amongst the people who are potentially going to vote for you. So let's keep that in mind. Color might have played a role, yes, but let's not confuse this for mindless tribalism. I must say, in my reviewing of this new information, that both liberal and conservative mainstream media seems to be pretty much sticking with the facts. The only thing that might slightly differ is the ABC coverage where they harped more on Amber Geiger's lawyer's comments after the indictment. Her lawyer feels that the indictment for murder was inevitable because of social pressure being brought to bear and that the grand jury were biased in that regard. Ricardo, so it's another shooting by a cop in America. And I'm getting the sense that you are saying that there's still a lot of social activism that go with these kind of actions. So is it so and how active was society in ensuring that this matter is brought up and taken seriously? So the local community in Dallas or around this incident were... Uh, especially people of color in this community were very outspoken and his parents really spearheaded this as well they would not let this rest um this manslaughter charge his mother was very vocal she was really pushing these people her her family um their their legal representation they were really lobbying local community local activists the whole black lives matter movement as well as other advocacy groups uh, in the area. So especially when it came to being in the right places where they would get a lot of attention, like huge sporting events. Um, you know, football is huge in the United States, American football. <laughs> um, and Texas is a huge football state. And they actually, you know, interrupted the games. And this, uh, they did a really good job of org organizing. Did this lead to polarization? Was this polarization, if it did occur, covered in the media so specifically there wasn't too much polarization this is one of those few stories that was so egregious that even people who normally side with cops in these instances specifically white people looked at it and said whoa if you could get shot that's chilling in your house hmm, i don't know you know it, it gave everybody that i spoke to about this pause black or white like yeah if you could just be sitting down watching tv Minding your business, someone knocks on your door, you answer your door and get shot for it, you know? Didn't sit well with a lot of folks because they could easily see themselves in the same position. And I think that was the key here. It wasn't, oh, well, it was hard for, I thought it was hard for white people specifically to say, oh, well, why was he speeding? Or why why did, wasn't he doing what he was supposed to do? Why didn't he comply? You know, these excuses that they always make when this happened. Why wasn't his hands up? Or whatever. Um... That wasn't here, you know? 
And then it was the smear campaign when the police, the first thing they said was, oh, we found marijuana in his home along with a, a pestle and a, to grind up the marijuana. And we're like, that's what you found when you look? First of all, he got murdered there. Why don't you go look in her house to see what she had in her? Didn't even search her house till days later. But would you say America's making progress now because of this isolated <laughs> incident in terms of how they deal no. with these killings no of course not um like you said it is an isolated incident it is different from the, all the other ones like ricardo's already said right they couldn't use all their typical you know excuses for why this happened this way but i did see that the head of the department was saying that they've developed a framework for policy change particularly as it, it appeals to how law enforcement and the communities interact um, I'd be interested to see what this looks like because I've seen in some states that they do have anti, you know, like racial bias training and so forth, but clearly it has not worked. So I'd be interested to see like if they actually have tried to deviate from what has already been established in other states and are actually trying to create a proper program. Like, not just the, oh, don't shoot him because he's black, you know, racial right. bias. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Um, I think an actual proper plan of action that is established to work more than anything, to actually work. Because I think all these other ones work in theory, not in practice. Mm -hmm. Isaac, what's missing for you from what you already know and understand about the story? Do you feel that the media's attention is sufficient? Are they covering all the necessary points? Profiling, for example, of black folk? No. Uh, for me, what's missing is how the police in America, like places like the South, you know, um, how are they going to transform um, their perception, <laughs> especially with, the, with, with minority communities? I think the perception is that they actually go out and target people that are minorities mm -hmm. and i think a, a whole lot more needs to be done to change that perception there's some serious transformation that has to have with cops in, in america in general so ricardo would you then agree that the mere retelling of facts kind of silences the debate or discussion that should be happening about transforming i mean we've seen similar incidents before fortunately well or unfortunately however you want to look mm -hmm. at it all the black men have not been killed in their homes but you know they've been killed nonetheless <laughs> right. right sometimes right outside their homes <laughs> yeah you know sometimes they get around the corner and yeah oh get that too get followed home get followed yeah. home so yeah, what do you think? Isaac hit the nail on the head, though. I, I just want to ex expand on that to answer your question. And the thing that media, in regards to police violence against people of color, especially black men, right, is they're more likely to report the incident. But you got to look up to the things that make these things possible, right? So, for example, a lot of the people who police an area don't live in that area. They don't know these folk, right? So for example, I live in New York. Um, a police officer might work in the suburbs, you know, 20 miles away. They've, these aren't their people. So they already look at you as other, you know? And then along with the prejudice and bias that many police have towards black people, even black cops, by the way, you know, they, they don't look at black people in the hood any different <laughs> than a lot of their white counterparts. Unfortunately, there's a great journalist. His name is Wesley Lowry. He works for the Washington Post and he writes about these things. So he puts statistics comparing. So, for example, he'll put out how many people get stopped in this neighborhood, uh, you know, tra uh, police uh, vehicle stops. What's the ratio between black and white? There's been instances of people being stopped multiple times in the same area. They're being racially profiled in these areas. And... If you watch someone long enough, you're going to find something wrong. But it seems that the media is only doing now what was asked for perhaps 20, 30 years ago by pointing out the facts of a story 
do you feel like they are indeed behind as Ricardo and Isaac seems to suggest about advancing the discussion on the killing of black folk? I think for America particularly, we need this step. And I say that because I feel like the reporting has been very biased. And so for the first time, at least people are getting to decide for themselves what they want to believe out of the story. Um, so I think mm-hmm. this is an important step for the American particularly. And so then the next step is advancing the dialogue. But you can't advance the dialogue when you're still repeatedly being biased about your reporting. Because then the dialogue you're expanding is actually to your favor or for a particular agenda. So I think in in terms of stepping back and saying, okay, let's let people decide for themselves, at least. Uh, Isaac, what does this mean, though, for the black struggle going forward? It, It kind of feels like we're always stuck decades behind the times, you know. Should we find alternative ways of advancing the dialogue, as Lucy says? so that we can speed up the process where whilst the media is pushing out the facts there are those platforms that should say but this comes from or stems from this particular behavior or these kind of policies yeah but i i also do think that media should be leading that type of discussion it is through media that we we, we, we gauge popular opinion and we, we try to shift opinions, right? To move towards a libertarian state or a state where all citizens can enjoy justice or a sense of it. This thing that there's disparities in the way such um, stories are told, it really does hurt the media as well in the long term, right? Because when it's time to have those conversations as you've said find that it's a bit late like they're doing something that they should have been doing 30 years ago so is it going to take another 30 years for us to start actually changing the language and the perceptions we have around cops ricardo as you have scoured the media and also just looked at social media discussions where i'm sure discussions are pointing fingers at systemic injustice but have you Mm -hmm. seen at least media even if they're not mainstream that are saying this is the issue here and it needs to be addressed there are but this is usually in print media that i found so um, an example i mentioned wesley lowry of the washington post right now he is a black man so he has skin in the game, right? And that also leads me to this point. So here in the United States, there is a large Spanish-speaking community, and there is a large Spanish-speaking media contingency here. And they have a great way of making their voice heard when it comes to matters pertaining to the Spanish-speaking community here in the United States, people of um, Hispanic descent, right? And I wish that there was more cohesive black journalist association. They're, they're, they do exist here, but it's pretty fragmented from what I've researched. Yeah, I would America's like to have a black journalist association. Is there nothing like that in South Africa that you know of? <laughs> when that was tried, <laughs> there was big trouble. Really? <laughs> yeah. Man. But I mean... Sorry, I just diverted. Just it just you know stood out for me to hear I, I get, that the journalist association. I mean, it just makes all the sense in the world to me. Where you lived in a country where you had exclusively a white narrative fed to you via news for you know sixty, seventy years. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but can you speculate as to why though? I mean, America is supposedly progressive have a fairly decent constitution most americans will probably say they're the best constitution but (laughs) yet Mm -hmm. the black person seems to be suffering at the hands of the police why is this so is is there a systemic purging of a black person is it because of what you would assume 
there is little appetite to actually address this matter i think it's it's fundamentally across board i think good constitutions don't mean that you're going to have a good society right i think part of it is that there's a lot of work that needs to be done it's like when you put in a law right you invest in educating people about that law and you invest in the resources to make sure that that law is adhered to and that it's enforced and enforceable right so i think part of the hard thing about constitutions is that yes they're great ideals to what we aspire to as a society but there aren't enforceable steps along the way to get there and i mean you see this, this america is not an exception in in this right like i feel like any country in that way so in addressing inequalities that have always been entrenched in these communities right slavery in addressing black people being excluded from the economy across board it's about putting in the work and people think just because the constitution is there then everything it should just work magically like you know everything will just come together and people will just follow it so i think that's actually what it is it's all just accessible to the mm-hmm. elite it's like asking a white man right like to um fight racism right like the question is what incentive do they have to work against the system that privileges them so those who are mm-hmm. in the elite group right for the most part don't really have an incentive mm-hmm. to want to and this is the across system. the board with all yeah, the isms right with any I, problem yeah Isaac, do you agree yeah yeah that that what america is an anti-black state yeah i mean there are more black people there in, in prisons than white people mm-hmm. conviction <laughs> rates are higher for, so is there a purging maybe of black people? yeah and it's because that uh, well i've said this before on the podcast but i think it's because the the, the people in power know that the, the the minorities have been displaced so this sort of grants them power to 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 make them like new slaves or, or like a new form of slavery for black people and, and this notion of, of having them fill up prisons to make Mm-hmm. For, for, me and Isaac are thinking so much alike right now because I was going to say this is slavery 3.0. 1.0 was actual bondage, right? In the United States. Slavery 2.0 happened after uh, the Civil War when black people, you know, Jim Crow laws and mm-hmm. such like that, and they didn't, ha- mm-hmm. they were disenfranchised, right? And this is 3.0. And 3.0 happened in the late 60s after the Civil Rights Act was passed in the United States. Because listen to this, guys. In the 1950s and early 1960s, do you know that's the best economically black people have ever been in the United States? The the 50s and 60s, right? But look at this. So once the Civil Rights Act passed, it was like, hold on. You can't have economic and the right to vote. Like, you can't be, you know, have franchisement and be economically viable. Next thing you know, all these black guys are going to jail. For things that no one really went to jail for, right? 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 As reported last week, DA Chief Whip John Steenhazen may be demoted after next year's elections if a proposal by his party in his home province, KwaZulu-Natal, to the Independent Commission for Remuneration of Public Office Bearers is considered. The proposal put forth is that formal tertiary education will be required for members of public office. After the news broke, Steenhazen retaliated by blocking people on social media from interacting with him directly once people had found out that he did not have a tertiary qualification. Twitter was obviously having a field day. The matter is still open for discussion though in the party and a decision has not been reached. Musi Maimani and other DA members have openly defended Stian Hazen on social media. In particular, Maimani hit out to Sunday Times saying, quote, I'm appalled at the level of stories. The questions sent weren't even related to the story. We have to continue to fight for an independent media. Our country has been well served for some time, but we simply can't succumb to fictional reporting. End quote. According to the citizen, there has been a racial divide in Twitter responses. Black Twitter has been saying that to succeed in South Africa, you need a degree if you're black, 
but not if you're white. Black Twitter has highlighted the role of white privilege in the whole saga. Many whites are tweeting in Stian Hazen's defense, have questioned the credibility and worth of degrees earned by the likes of Malema and Ndlozi. There is generally an interesting debate about the value of paper qualification. Stian Hazen had time today to clap back to EFF. He accused the EFF of using his lack of a degree as a smokescreen to divert attention away from the VBS saga, which now implicates the EFF. He said that he's not ashamed about not having a tertiary education. Stian Hazen said that he had enrolled for a degree in law and politics, but financial and work pressures prevented him from completing it. He also said, quote, you don't need a degree to see the EFF for what it is, an elitist clique that steals from the poor and the downtrodden. We will continue to call them out, end quote. He said that one of the most painful things was that when someone came from a poor background, people tended to undermine that person and even when they were no longer poor. He also went on to critique the media on their coverage of black people versus white people. He said, quote, there is no media that attacks white people. There was one person who was given a position with just a metric to act as a CEO and it was not a big deal. If it was a black person, there would have been a big noise, end quote. Sound familiar? City Press now reports that DAKZN leader Mr. Mwango faces being axed amid allegations of a vendetta against Dian Hazen. Seems like it is Dian Hazen against the world. I think that Dian Hazen is missing the point. Being a benefactor of white male privilege does not necessarily mean that he is not good at his job. And as a people, we just need him to acknowledge that educational attainment is used as a tool to exclude black people from economic and social opportunities in this country Bushi, what do you feel has been missing in this entire dialogue in terms of how the media has covered the story do you feel that for instance they're not addressing the uneducated or unqualified aspect properly yeah i think stian hazen is missing the point i think media has reported a lot on the story but what's had consolidating it to a partaken so many other leads right so i actually think it, it's misinformation in the sense that first of all eff did not say that he shouldn't be in parliament because he doesn't have a degree right like they did not explicitly say that they said show us his metric results so we can also laugh at him which I mean, this is a laugh gun that happens. People laugh at people's results, right? Like people laugh at, sure. you know, Judas Malema's results, right? So affirmation and how the story is being portrayed. Um, because what people are saying is that you, Mr. Stian Hazen, are a benefactor of white male privilege, right? And we're not saying you bad at your job. And we're not saying you don't deserve to be like that per se, right? What we're saying is that if it was a black person, they wouldn't have been awarded the same opportunities as you have. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that Eisen um, is missing the point. Um, when we when we did this, this whole thing about qualifications for Julius Emma, and it was taken seriously in that and the job of creating legislation, right? The argument was that legislation was more than just 10 or a um, trick. Drop out Johnny over here, right? Yeah, I said it. Not drop out Johnny! <laughs> like, it, well, I mean, he did drop out. He said, he said that he's, he enrolled drop out. He did drop That's out, why I though. Like, him drop out Johnny! Yeah. In, in my opinion, at least, one shouldn't a university degree a part of civics and you know, help lead their communities. I don't think that's a barrier to entry, right? He's also missing the point. White privilege opportunity that people would have and would have had, right? To be uneducated, but yet opportunity that he did like, like what, what was said earlier. So when people are talking about, you know, the e EFF, all this stuff, I'm like, that's just like sign. I mean, that, that that's really not important mm. at all. Illuminated that Judas Malema himself and the former president Zuma found themselves in a similar position. 
and oh, it's quite ironic how the media seems to be emphasizing the point that is made by about Johnny dare I say that <laughs> um, it's not about the qualifications it's about your civic duty and your willingness to represent your people that is what counts humanity etc etc these are some of the qualities pro people were saying 15 years ago for example they call that tribalism right oh it says black people sticking up for black people um yeah yeah, yeah. that's a very good point um ricardo and that it's it's black people but it was more of an issue for like them it it, it into into question their reputation as white and i'm very interested as to how the media is reporting this and and how i wouldn't say they they openly defending stian hazen but he's surely given more of a platform to explain himself and you know to defend himself which was not the same for black politicians or black leaders like um the eff's judas madam or um jacob zoom jacob zuma was uh, a criminal who was uneducated he doesn't even have a trick that was a big issue so it's funny how Stian Hazen can mm-hmm. use that argument now that um being a politician it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's for your community so <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah it's a bit ironic but why is it a thorn in our side so to speak if I can use that saying in an awful way to hear the white privilege of not really addressed and uh, even a bigger thorn to have black people talked about in such heinous ways when they don't have education why does it bother us obviously it bothers us because racism and hypocrisy right like it's it's to say that i mean it's it's, it's always that saying across board i think a black person you have to work twice as hard you know triple as hard to be recognized mm-hmm. for the same work and to see that there's so many people sitting at home particularly in South Africa right the youth unemployment rate is so high and we've been told go get these degrees go get these degrees and people have gotten these degrees and they're sitting at home right so it's really a disservice because that was kind of the barrier to entry mm-hmm. in the workplace and now all of a sudden it's not it shouldn't be a barrier anymore because John Stian Hazen you know he's showing that you can do a legislative job which is quite technical right without having mm-hmm. the qualifications so i feel like it's just really that you having that lived reality actually it's sad to think of it this way but it's like no matter how hard we are not not afforded those same opportunities and we probably won't be for a very long time and they're just being hypocrites i think when zoom didn't like zuma they said it's because of his lack of education that right but john stian hazen can be good at his job despite the education so mm-hmm. one person has this ability to just be good you know at their job but the other one can't be because they haven't been formally educated so i think it's got mm-hmm. a lot of undertones of race of class of just many elements and i think for me which i did i do expect more from people who have been given the opportunity right john stian hazen went to a good high school and even though he says that he dropped out of university of financial and work pressures it's he was afforded an opportunity and i think when people talk about jacob zuma and stian hazen and compare them right now is that they don't realize that apartheid is really the gap between the two of them mm-hmm. it's so disheartening um m because as a black person when you're trying to be a good a good black right <laughs> you you play the system you you like like Busi mentioned you get your degree right but now the goalpost has changed you don't just need a bachelor's degree you need a master's degree now right and you're thinking but i thought this was good enough and it's hard this is where systemic racism really becomes demoralizing because you're playing this game but the rules always change when you're about to win or when you feel you're about to win you know so you never quite ever win <laughs> you know it's like running a race and the finish line keeps moving farther and farther away you know <laughs> i agree both with ricardo and see i mean it's said that like once you finally break through the ceiling or you're trying to break away from poverty there's a new standard now 
that's that's always created it's 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 difficult and it pains to see when things like this are just like we forget about the principle behind the argument maybe that the EFF is making towards DNA in this case it's demoralizing I don't know and for 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 someone that's black I don't know it, for me it, it's got this thing like what, where what do I need to do actually so I'm not mm-hmm. accepted mm-hmm. in white spaces I'm not adequate I'm enough as a black person you know there's these Western standards in in judging my intelligence and whether I am competent enough for this new society. You know what my friend said, um, just to kind of add on to what Isaac said, she said she's a black woman who's um, an engineer and in finance, and she said she feels like every time she walks into a boardroom full of white men, she is basically auditioning for her job over and over again. I'm just thinking of my grandmother, for example, a woman who's intellectual, Right, I'm biased. It's my grandmother. But look, here's someone who understands plants, the science of plants, botany. She's got vast, vast knowledge, right? But she never had the opportunity to get an education. She just even finished formal schooling. She had to look after white kids when she was seven, eight years old. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. her life when she was a child and to happen like that being judged by modern society or contemporary society and to be told that yeah you're stupid or you're uneducated and you know there's no privilege to actually propel her forward in life Thank you for joining us for this edition of The Thinking Behind It All, TTBIA. Remember that you can always be part of the conversation on our social media platforms, Facebook. It's The Thinking Behind It All, that's your page. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore. Please let your family know. And as I say, your lovers too, your colleagues, friends, about us until we meet next week your silence is concession sharp 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 sharp, sharp.